Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it is time for some strange news, one of our favorite segments to do leading into every week. Uh, and, you know, it's not all bad news. I feel like I need to start saying that at the top of these. I was trying to think of an example of good news. Uh, here's some weird ones before we begin, you guys. I don't know if if you had heard about this. I, I learned about this uh, a little bit last week. Astronomers have figured out how to make black holes sing. Like they've, uh, through a process <laughs> called sonification, they've Whoa. figured out what, yeah, what uh, noises a black hole would emit. And they made it, uh, they 
zhuzhed it up a little so it's in the range of human hearing. Can they like teach them chopsticks? Like, uh, how far does this phenomenon <laughs> go? Uh, <laughs> you know, let let's have a uh, Paul. If you could play a clip here, I sent you one. Yeah, Ben, you you shared this on social. It was very eerie. I liked it a lot. I haven't had a chance to hear it, so I'm about to re- react uh, cold. Yes, the uh, you can uh, go to my Instagram app in Bolin uh, and hear the black hole singing. Uh, just real quick, we'll play this clip. And this is the sound of a black hole modified for human hearing. Yeah, I have that synth. That's cool. It's the sound of stars being swallowed up. I love it. It reminds me of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, of course, has uh, a, a great nemesis in many of the stories, who is Azatoth, the gibbering, mindless god at the center of all things. And maybe that's what he sounds like, very Call of Cthulhu. Uh, but you can learn more about that. You can find me on the Instagram stuff, or you can look up the Chandra X-ray Observatory. I didn't think it was bad news, but I thought it was it was interesting. It's too bad Chris Cornell is not here to comment on it. Black Hole Sun it's more- <laughs> Man, I made a fool out of myself at a bar the other night. Uh, that song was playing, and I was like, guys, Stone Temple Pilots rule. <laughs> I look like a real jerk. Oh, man. Well, Ben, thank you for sharing that more totally. existential threat than some of the other threats we currently face. <laughs> well, I'm sharing it in part because we have a lot of musicians amongst ourselves in the crowd, and I think this would be an excellent sample. Oh, yeah. I mean, but also, I mean, you know, it. You don't know. You don't know how those tones might affect the human body. It could eviscerate our very internal organs. Well, well, again, the, but the sonification thing that uh, Ben is talking about—it's very different frequencies that we would not be able to perceive that then mm. get like transposed into what we can sense, right? Shifted like a quadrillion times higher, <laughs> essentially. But that, so that's some of the news from uh, deep space, from out there in the ink. Our news today is a little bit closer to home in many ways. We're going to talk about a uh, another excellent story of local corruption exposed by a hardworking investigative journalist. We're going to talk about the future of product placement, which ties in nicely to ideas like deep fakes. And then we're also going to explore a looming existential crisis for anyone who enjoys or has to eat food at any time. Uh, and that'll, that's a story with a, an expiration date of about nine weeks as you hear this. But let's save that one for later. Let's see, wh- where should we go first? Uh, you want to talk a bit about this uh, this problem or the future? I shouldn't call it a problem. The future of digital products and the and where they get placed. Oh no, Ben! I, I would call it a problem. Uh, as a media purist, as a person who believes in the vision of creators, I have a real problem with with doing revisionist history of any kind. Like, I mean, you know, even if it's your own uh, creation. Like, I, I was really peeved. I think, along with a lot of other um, fans of science fiction and, and fantasy when uh, when George Lucas went back and tinkered with the original Prince of Star Wars, for example, and added all this kind of 
bad CGI to, to the, the original films. I just don't think it sits right with the other elements. It is not in the spirit of, of the vibe of those films. And as we've learned over the course of time, it turns out there were maybe a lot of other people that were more responsible for bringing George Lucas's vision to life than the man himself. Um, those things are, are less about pure, gross economic uh, reasons and more about the idea of not wanting to be left behind, about an artist whose maybe reach exceeds his grasp or maybe his grasp exceeds his reach? I don't know. He had the ability to do the thing. He thought it was the right thing to do, but the question is, should he have done it, even though he could? Uh, I would say maybe no. It annoys me. You can't get those original versions anymore. I'm going to stop ragging on George Lucas. We're not talking about that. But this isn't about some, you know, auteur, some creative uh, bigwig flexing and being able to kind of throw his weight around and do whatever he wants with a beloved property. No. This is about pure dollars and cents. Star Wars is a bad example, so I'm not going to use that. I'm going to use an example a couple of examples, actually. I'm just going to read it verbatim from this wonderful article from Gizmodo by Kyle Barr uh, that came out just this week, I think, actually, um, titled Time Traveling Digital Ads uh, Might Start Infiltrating Your Favorite TV Shows. Um, this is what it's, how it starts. Imagine if in Back to the Future, Marty McFly goes back in time to order a Pepsi free, but instead receives a Coke Zero. Imagine if in Skyfall, Daniel Craig's James Bond doesn't put his tight lips to a Heineken, but instead wraps his muzzle around a Bud Light Lime, which all in all would be a bigger affront to the classic martini drinker. Um, so Putting the, the Heineken there in the first place probably annoyed some Bond purists who would argue he never would have uh, uh, besmirched his his uh, his palate with such a beer. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he would drink his Vesper martinis, shaken, not stirred, or whatever the case may be. So through technology, which you could probably lump in sort of with deep fake, but this is the kind of stuff that's a little even lower tech than deep fake. Uh, you can go back into footage and digitally change elements, just like George Lucas did with uh, Jabba the Hutt's slithering body. They couldn't afford to do that at the time, or it didn't look right, or he didn't think so, so they went back in and digitally added in these CGI elements. I think they, I think they CGI'd all of Jabba entirely, and I personally think it looks terrible. And I said I wasn't going to harp on yeah, I said I wasn't going to harp on George anymore but god that stuff just looks like it sticks out like a sore thumb um but with this you know that tech that was also like 20 years ago that george did all that stuff so technology has come a long way as we've seen with uh deep fakes like i don't know if you guys have seen that incredible kendrick lamar video um for the heart part 10 or part five i think um it's fantastic it's like that's taking what was ultimately kind of a rogue internet kind of technology and taking to the next level with like big big money major label production dollars. So imagine what a movie studio like an Amazon or a television studio like NBC, well, I guess Amazon's more than a movie studio. They're a lot. They're kind of everything uh, like NBC could do with the kinds of budget they have under the headline for this article is a screenshot from an Amazon show. I don't quite recognize this guy kind of looks like Chris Pratt, but I'm not quite sure who he is or what show it's from. Um, but in the background, you can see a ad for TurboTax. TurboTax wasn't in the show. <laughs> it was it was changed from whatever was in there. And it's like, you know, we've product placements has been around since. I mean, you remember like how Reese's Pieces um, figured into the plot of, well, the plot, maybe not. But like it was definitely a prop uh, in E.T. Um, that wasn't an accident. I'm sure Reese's Pieces paid a lot of money to be featured in that way. I'm sure you pay a premium if you're really part of the plot. You know, it's like, could it be any brand? Um, and it was Reese's Pieces. It could have been just M&M's, but it was Reese's Pieces. 
Dates back to uh, 1927, uh, the first Oscar or the first uh, silent film, first movie ever to have product placement was uh, something called Wings, not the sitcom. And it was uh, a bar of Hershey's, Hershey's chocolate. So it's a very old, old thing. I think I think a lot of people miss it. You know what I mean? Unless it's like highlighted to be a plot point and Reese's pieces uh Interestingly enough, was uh, originally I read supposed to be M and M's, but Reese's ended up getting the spot because M and M's passed for some reason. Exactly, because they didn't see the benefit in this, probably. And to your point, Ben, it is something that oftentimes you don't notice, but your brain notices it, doesn't it? <laughs> even if your even if your mind doesn't. So maybe that's a weird distinction, but I would argue. Um, your brain picks up on things passively and your mind maybe picks up on things. I don't know. That's silly. They're the same thing. They're, your subconscious picks up on things passively. Your active consciousness maybe has to focus on something or have it be more of a plot point, like you said, Ben. Um, so this is interesting. This is creating a whole new revenue stream for some of these companies who are obviously in need of that. But what does this mean for beloved TV shows? Where does it end? You know, if this if the money becomes good enough, are we going to start seeing Indiana Jones movies like with different product placements? Are Reese's Pieces in E.T., the beloved classic, going to become something more modern that didn't even exist then? Uh, And at what point are the creators involved or in situations where they don't even own their IP anymore, intellectual property? Is this something that can be done without their consent? And is this something that the public will accept? What do you guys think? Public will accept it. Think so. Yeah, the public will accept it. And I think also uh, the idea of subbing things out, I don't think it'll be a one and done thing. You can start alternating it for different markets. So if you wanted to take like one soda out of a European release and put another soda in, like you wanted to trick people into drinking awful stuff like Beverly, the Italian uh, digestif or aperitif. Uh, And if you wanted to maybe say, let's take a a soda that's really popular in the Indian market or the Chinese market, and let's have that character sip that, then that'll work too. I I think the money's just too good for people to walk away from it if it's easily implemented. You know what I mean? Ben, I am flabbergasted that you would besmirch the name of Beverly. I am just flabbergasted. <laughs> I have no idea have you is. ever had the Beverly? <laughs> I didn't know it's the Colonel terrible. was a fan of, uh, of Beverly. <laughs> I just like saying Beverly in that way. Beverly, right, it's, a, it's a lovely, yeah, it's good. Um, but this has got this has already got a name. Uh, it's called Virtual Product Placement (VPP) and Amazon Prime uh, Video and uh, a, a service that Amazon has that I'm not aware of called Freevee. I guess that's maybe their like non-premium video stuff that has like ads that has ads based. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they are already doing a beta test on this in programs like uh, Jack Reacher uh, and things like uh, Tom Clancy's uh, Jack Ryan. Uh, I don't know if Reacher is the same as Jack Reacher. Bosch Legacy. Um, and those are, those are the three. So Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, Reacher, which I think is associated with Jack Reacher, and Bosch Legacy. Um, they said that through testing, they are seeing a 7% increase in brand favorability and a 15% increase in purchase intent. I don't know how you measure that exactly, but I'm sure they've got their ways. Um, it, it's a really interesting thing, you guys, because ultimately we're talking about uh, like green screen plates, essentially. Yes, but of not yes, of not green screen, the traditional way. It would just be a sign, basically, it. that's empty, mm-hmm. right? 
And well, they would have to do like tracking, right? If anybody knows anything about After Effects, they'd have to set some anchor points, put in that color, and then it motion track it because the camera's moving around. So it's not like it's static. It has to, you know, change perspective with the camera. And then they would plop on whatever that green screen color is, and then they can key it into whatever, what do you call it, ad creative they want. Yeah, but ultimately it's it's background stuff, right? I can't imagine a version that's a swappable. I mean, we're talking about, I think in the example in the beginning, you're talking about a Heineken beer versus another beer. So theoretically, you could have a can of beer or something that has a uniform shape that other labels could be, you know, like digitally wrapped around it. But I'm thinking generally it's going to be some kind of background plate, some kind of thing that's, you know, you go by a truck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or a truck. Um, To me... I don't know if this is unpopular, but I don't think this is going to be that big of a deal if it's that. Because I don't know how you swap out things like your Reese's Pieces or your things that actually have something to do with the plot or something to do that's being interacted with much. But we didn't know how deep fake videos were possible until like a couple of years ago. You know, I mean, is, is there a version where the technology gets so good they can change anything? I just think it's a slippery slope. And, and, and as a fan of, you know, creative uh, integrity, you know, from from artists and directors and stuff. I mean, certainly there's going to be some that are just not going to stand for it. Uh, and then there's some shows that aren't like the height of like, you know, cultural <laughs> genius or anything that I probably don't care. But like if I start seeing things that I just don't recognize all of a sudden in my favorite films, it just goes to show the kind of pitfalls of everything being streaming and served to you and not owning anything anymore, you know, because then it's all all bets are off. I hope it fakes. I hope the fake goes uh, further. And I hope we find ourselves in situations where tourism boards are replacing the names of things that are like plot MacGuffins in so much film. Like in Dark City, I don't want them to talk about the beach. I want them to talk about like uh, lower Cincinnati. I I want uh, someone (laughs) to say like in a noir film, like, you know, don't worry, Beverly. We'll always have Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. like, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. The fa- the past is a fiction we all just all agree to in the present. You know what I Don't mean? Don't worry, kid. So, it's only Universal Studios, Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but Let it guys- go, Jack. It's the Harry Potter experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, from a business perspective, this makes a ton of sense to me. Like, think oh, about yeah, the yeah, Netflix yeah. shows right, or chill. the Disney Plus. No, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it does. Of course, it's film- inevitable. I, I know. I'm the old man screaming, get off my lawn here. It totally makes sense. It's well, the we same just way we do we'll targeting ads. We'll, e- yeah. we'll edit it so you so it, we've all approved of it. <laughs> yeah. exactly. We just no, did that it- episode on, on censorship in China. And one of the things we talked about was how the film and television industry was tanking in the U.S. because there wasn't enough money going in. It wasn't growing enough. So China came through and various companies out of China came through and made these massive investments in huge film and television production companies. And it was only functioning because they could uh, bring in the Chinese audience, which, you know, add a billion people, 1.4 billion people. Oh, movies that are failures here, utterly uh, absolute bombs can be massive hits in China and justifying making more bombs. Yes. And with this new tech, if you've got a show, let's say that it only comes out on Netflix or Disney Plus or one of those places uh, and it didn't perform that well. Now you as Disney can sell 
your show more the way we sell ads on this show. So it's like rolling ad sales, right? Rather than a one-time buy of $2.8 million to put Coke in your movie. Absolutely. But, but, but the question is, do you then, does it open the door up for the Kanyeification of movies where you're like kind of constantly revising it and changing it? And can, could this go even deeper into like plot points that are maybe offensive in Chinese markets that are then changed around and deep fake to be different for those markets as opposed to just it editing out has. scenes? I, I, I know it like Transformers, I believe, but I'm talking about further, like the next gen version of that. And do we yeah. care? I don't know, man. I don't care about that part, really, because usually these are movies that are like, again, not the height of like cultural importance. These are like Transformers movies are like roller coaster ride of movies, kind of, you know, but you start doing that to classic films and doing weird product placement just because it's streaming. That's a little weird and creepy to me, but maybe when I'm just Paul a classicist. Ta- when, when Paul Thomas Anderson agrees to do it, then I'll be worried. Well, I would say, you know, on from the studio perspective or as soulless as it is to say the rights owner's perspective, then you're not cannibalizing income streams because you can release the original cut again. And now you've got it's like how uh the you know original. like it's like how I've said you should have one anything goes Olympics and the one like organic Olympics. People are still gonna sell the stuff either way. So like if we yeah. took Citizen Kane weird. right right Right, uh, says Matt, sipping that front. I refuse. I refuse to endorse logos uh, unless I have to. But, um, but like a Citizen Kane without a bunch of product placement or new VPP would sell, maybe even at a premium for some folks, for cinephiles like us. <laughs> so I think it, it works really well. The amount of product placement within the statement that Ben just made was uh, was too much. Good on you, man, for this, having a glass. There's that, there's, that, there's that great scene in Wayne's World where they're like, yeah, I just don't understand why people only do things if they're getting paid. <laughs> I have a headache. Small, tiny, different. Anyway, um, to, to, to dovetail it and then wrap it up, back to George Lucas, uh, Ben, you made a really good point about releasing the original version. Maybe I'm I'm selling George short and he was playing the long game, knowing how much this was going to piss off his fans. And they're still biding their time. And maybe well, now he doesn't even own it anymore. So it's not even up to him. But do you think Disney will one day be like, we're going to release the original unbastardized Star Wars cuts without all the CGI? 100%. You think it's going to be a while longer, though? Why hasn't it happened yet? They're probably looking at the demographics and the uh, trajectory of nostalgia. So I think when they when those variables hit the right mix, that'll be time to strike. Do the next wave. Yep. All right. There it is. The next wave. Indeed. We're going to take a break and uh, then we'll be back with some more strange news. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. 
Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we're back, and we are jumping to a news story coming to us from Michigan. Title of this story is Highland Park Seized Their Building. The price to get it back was two new police cars. What? You might say? Okay, we're going to give you uh, place, people, all kinds of information right here at the top so we'll all know what we're talking about. We are in Highland Park, Michigan. This is roughly seven miles northwest of Detroit. It's like within Detroit, basically, but it's its own little city there. Uh, And we're talking specifically about a single 13,000 square foot building that was formerly the Fellowship Institutional Church, a a church there in Highland Park. If you're interested, you look it up on uh, Google Maps or something. It's 14015 Hamilton Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan. Okay, so there's a couple named Matt and Justina. Uh, Cosbull, that's those are their names, and they purchased this church because the church organization disbanded and they were no no longer using the property as a church. It was for sale. They purchased it, and uh, they had a business venture in mind. They obtained thirteen quote caregiver licenses, which gave them permission, at least according to the couple and to. Uh, Uh, to some laws that I'm not fully aware of, I don't have written out, but laws that would allow them to grow a certain amount of cannabis, specifically a certain number of marijuana plants. And in this case, it was in excess of 150 individual plants. And their plan was to use this property to grow those plants, right? Pretty simple setup. A little, um, let's say, unconventional to purchase a house of worship and then turn it into a drug factory of sorts. <laughs> Although many uh, don't consider 
cannabis to be a drug per se. Uh, but anyway, one person's God weird. is another one's demon. You know what I mean? No judgment. Right? <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Absolutely. Um, so they're doing this. They're getting everything set up. And this is in late 2019, early 2020. That's when uh, this couple is kind of making these plans of purchasing the building, forming an LLC to run their business. And the city kind of, I guess, hears about it, gets, you know, gets word of what the LLC is going to do, especially in that specific building. And they're not very happy. On Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2020, the mayor of Highland Park, Michigan, Mr. Hubert Yopp, Y-O-P-P, and the former Highland Park police chief, Kevin Coney, decided they were going to go check out the building. Just give it a look-see on Christmas Eve in 2020. And when they went in, they said it was part of a fire inspection that they needed to, to do on this building. You know, on Christmas Eve, as you do. And after the fire chief actually showed up and they did a little inspecting, they got a warrant to search the property. And when they, when they got that warrant and they served it, they found the marijuana plants and then they seized the building from the couple. Just straight up, the city said, this is our building now. Sorry. I guess something that happens sometimes when there is illegal activity in a building. Here's the rub, though, guys. Uh, they were never charged with anything. The couple was never charged with anything. The uh, property itself and the company never charged with anything. But the city still seized the building. And, after, and they held it for 16 months, 17 months, I believe. They just held on to it, didn't do anything with it. Then you guys. <laughs> uh, the couple gets an attorney. They sue the city. And through this suit that's occurring... Uh, the city makes them an offer. It's what was in the headline. They said, you can have your building back. All you have to do, purchase two police cruisers for the city. Here's a, I've got a quote for you from Justina. She says, they offered to give the building back for two police cars. I said, I don't need two police cars. He said, no, it's not for you. It's for the city. <laughs> And then you can have your building. And they had a they had a um, a wish list too, right? This was very yeah. uh, this is a very uh, long circuitous way for them to ask for a Christmas present. But uh, I think they even, uh, according to the article that you had you had sent us, Matt, uh, the local PD said there's also this like specific dealership we like, mm -hmm. and here are here's what you should get. That's even weirder. Like this is this is a crime, right? What they're doing is criminal. It certainly seems like a crime, at least on the face of it. And thanks for mentioning that, Ben. The article, which is from ABC, WXYZ TV in Detroit, it's Channel Seven Action News. The reporter is Ross Jones. Check him out; he's awesome uh, and just doing amazing reporting here. And yes. The vehicles were $34,295 a piece. There were specific ones that were picked out and printed in an email that was sent to the attorneys of the couple there that owned the property. Insane. So this is what happens when Ross, the reporter from Channel 7 News, uh, finally gets a hold of Mayor Yop after attempting to get in contact with him for days and days and days and not being able to. 
Why was it appropriate for the city of Highland Park to seize a building and then say you can have it back if you just buy us two police cars? What do you mean, why was it appropriate? I'm not the city attorney. You're the mayor, sir. You're the, you're right. you're the boss of the city attorney. And that's what I do. That's what I do. I hire people that are specialists in their field. This man's a legal mind. Our police chief has got to be certain qualifications. So I don't understand you. They call this a shakedown, sir. What do you call it? A shakedown? What are you talking about, a shakedown? Wow. Okay, that's all we really hear. Yeah. But <laughs> Answer the question you wanted to have been asked, right? Number one in politics. Yes. That's a good tactic, yeah. Well, he, he was, uh, wait, he was at the liquor store across the street from City Hall, by the way. Just uh, He was at a legal drug store after <laughs> taking somebody's uh, well legal drugs. Anyway, I think he might yeah. have had a few before he uh, before he went back for, for more. Um, no shade on the guy. I mean, it's certainly a wily, interesting kind of move. But it's like this is this is a city where there is poverty. And it's and it's like, yeah, sure. The police force is stretched and the government needs funds, too. And it's sort of like you end up with governments that are underfunded oftentimes that exist in communities that lack resources, too. But it's not really fair for one to try to squeeze out the other, especially the ones that are supposed to be protecting you. You know, no, you're absolutely right. And theoretically, that company would have brought in a lot of profits if it were, uh, you know, if it would have been allowed to run. Um, well, that, that just makes it short-sighted then. That just makes it dumb. That's a dumb move. They should have let the company come in, contribute or get the way you do to a community with jobs and, and infrastructure and, you know, putting dollars into the community. I agree. If you watch the rest of that extended interview that you can find on YouTube titled Extended Interview with Highland Park Mayor Hubert Yop. And uh, at the end, you can hear what he takes issue with. And what I think he and many many of the people who are in his administration, people who are working for the police department, maybe even the, the fire chief, they had a problem with marijuana being grown in a house of worship, a former house of worship. I see. That makes sense. That so was, it's an ideological yeah. issue. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, if you continue along, uh, I've got a, just a tiny quote here from Mr. Yop, the mayor. In that interview, after he gets in his car, he says, I would not go to Bloomfield, which is another place there near Detroit, and take a church and make a dope house out of it. The people would put a rope around my neck, is what he says. That's his direct quote. Um, Strong language. Yeah. As in, it's just a, it's something you don't do and you, you can't do it, basically, is what he's saying. Very, very strong language there. Apologize, everybody. That was a direct quote. So as of the publication of that report that I just, you know, we went over the whole thing right there. The the property was still in the city's control. The couple had not been, you know, reimbursed in any way. They had not been charged with anything. According to the official lawsuit that was filed by the couple, it asked the defendants, the city, to, quote, identify every predicate felony offense that you assert justified the seizure of the property. And the response mm-hmm. back from the city was none. That is of of the filing of that report by Ross. The next day. So that was a Wednesday. This is now a Thursday. The city announced that it is giving the property back. <laughs> <laughs> Caught with your hands. In the cookie jar, right? No, no vehicles were purchased for the police department. Mm. They're just giving it back uh, as in a, hey, no harm, no foul. But here's the problem. And it goes back to what you were saying, Noel, where this is already a place that probably needs funds for the city to operate 
well. It needs more money, right, to operate better. Uh, they are now being sued by this couple for some serious damages because since that property has been outside of their control, there were several break-ins on the property, several hundred thousand dollars worth of damage done to the property. So now they're suing the city for way more money than the city wanted to get out of them for their police vehicles. Well, what about also, yeah, that's poetic justice. What about also the um, potential profits that they could have had, but lost over the 500 something days, right? Oh man, it could get real ugly. Uh, It'd be fun to be their lawyer. Uh, Yes. And their lawyer, Mark Delden, uh, their attorney, if you want to look up just stuff from him, he's been pretty awesome in some of the reporting as well, because everybody's doing on camera interviews for this thing. Now, look, guys, I know this is kind of a small town story, something that you probably wouldn't even hear about. I just really wanted to talk about this in that it's, it's a story about power, right? When you have the ability to send a police chief or a fire chief or, you know, a city attorney out to go do something that you think is right. Um, just because you think it is right. Uh, it can be dangerous because you can just take the scenario and, and put it on a lot of different things like other buildings that would get seized, other people that would be incarcerated, even, even just momentarily, you know, arrested for one reason or another uh, because you wish them to be rather than because they have violated some kind of law. It's just, it's scary for me to think about it in that way. And I know it's something that's been happening since humans have had, you know, sheriffs, right? Uh, We know that. It's just something to keep an eye on. And it's a reason to really say thank you to all the investigative journalists out there at your channel fives, your channel sevens, your channel 11s, in this case, your channel sevens, and just really support the work that local investigative journalists do. Yeah, it's often a thankless job. So shout out to you, Mr. Ross Jones. Shout out to all the other investigative reporters working around not just the U.S., but the world. Matt, earlier off air, you and I were talking about the importance of this. And uh, one thing that I think it's Uh, mission critical for people who are not journalists to understand is that this can be a very, very dangerous job. It's, it's weird to me that uh, the reality show programs uh, that you'll see on discovery or history channel focus on jobs like um, ice road trucking or jobs like being a deep sea uh, fishing operation. Those are both very dangerous, but so is journalism. And uh, I think right before we had to roll, we were, Kind of on the way to putting a pitch together for journalists, <laughs> yeah. but we'll we'll see. It, yeah, it's a, often a thankless endeavor, but it is so very important. Oh yeah, man, we'll call it f- full contact journalism, or uh, uh, I don't know. We'll come journalism up with a cool after name. dark. No, wait, no, no. Hang on, <laughs> my head's in a weird place. <laughs> Extreme journos. We'll, we'll there get it, it we'll is. Get it. Ice road journalists. No full yeah. contact journalism. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Brought to you in by, the and then we just change the product for whichever state it's in, you know? Think about MMA fights, UFC fights. The ring itself just is like popping in and out of different <laughs> different advertisers. <laughs> yes. Well, think about it with like a with an event like that where the location is sort of doesn't matter as much as like a setting in a film. You could just replace virtualize the whole background and just have like the action taking place inside like a virtual arena that could be all plastered as like a, an ad, you know, UFC I mean, fights on a full green screen. Mm-hmm. 
the time has come, gentlemen. I think so. All right. And with that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with more strange news. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, sets off a firestorm in Washington, affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we have returned, fellow conspiracy realists, for one more piece of strange news uh, that is in a way, about something that will directly affect you. And it's, in a way, about something that may be directly affecting you now. Some of us in the audience today are possibly old enough to remember similar situations. It's a very dangerous situation. It's something that can sound really boring when you're talking to policy wonks. It's the idea of the global food supply. The global food supply is part of the global trade network of the modern era. It's the reason why, unlike your ancestors, if you're a human being today, you can eat fruits when they're out of season. You can eat fruits that don't grow in your part of the world. And if your uh, local farms aren't producing the grains, the produce of the livestock that you would eat, you can, through your community and government, work out a deal with some community or government in some other part of the world, and they'll just ship it to you, right? That's the world in which we live, but it's a very fragile world. And the catastrophic actions occurring in Europe are 
forcing an already fragile food supply system into what the United Nations recently described as an apocalyptic scenario about 10 weeks out as we record this, about nine weeks out as you hear it. Like, think about it now. For most people, you're seeing prices on almost every imaginable thing go up. You know, people have sent me snapshots uh, either at my Instagram, my Twitter, or just sometimes through email, send me snapshots of gas, what gas prices are like in their neck of the global woods. They vary widely, you know what I mean? Um, But they're all kind of going up for the most part. This is part of a what's called a cost of living crisis, meaning that without you making more money, the stuff that you need not to not to ball out, not to impress your friends, you know, not to say like, "Hey, I shook down this pot farm for this new Ford," <laughs> but instead, just to survive, staples, a place to live, not even not even a great place to live, you know. This cost of living crisis is is real, but on May eighteenth, very recently, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that. The specter of a global food shortage is upon the world, and it's not something that will start and end in one year. And to be fair, in a way that's not getting widely reported, it's not all due to uh, Russia. Now, you guys may have heard that Russia has been accused of war crimes, specifically weaponizing food supplies. Have you guys read about that? Yeah, it's definitely a dirty trick, but it's uh, certainly in the playbook. Yeah. So the idea is that Ukraine, as we mentioned in our previous episodes, is the breadbasket of Europe, in many ways, the breadbasket of the world. Between Ukraine and Russia together, when you hear this statistic, this is crazy. We'll throw some more at you. Between Russia and Ukraine together, they supply 12% of all the traded calories in the world. Not even all the like wheat traded calories, the stuff that's in food that keeps you going. Twelve percent of all of it. Yeah, and- I, 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 I'd heard that Ben when we when we made some of those epi- episodes before. I saw the phrase "the breadbasket of the world" uh, when describing yeah. Ukraine, and I didn't I didn't understand the, that it was that extensive. Yeah, uh, together, Russia and Ukraine, uh, you can check this out in an Economist article. Uh, They don't attribute their authors, but uh, you can find it as the coming food catastrophe. You can also find the full substance of the speech uh, that talks about this in the United Nations. uh, And you can find the World Bank's announcement regarding this, but that really depends on how much you trust the World Bank and the IMF. Check out our episodes on those and tell me if privatization of everything is the answer. Anyhow, I walked down the street for that one. But yeah, it's so here's what here, here are the statistics. Russia and Ukraine on a non-war year. We're talking 28% of all the wheat traded across the globe, 29% of all the barley, 15% of all the maize slash corn, 75% of all the sunflower oil. This feeds 400 million people. Uh, If you want to go country by country, this is about 50% of the stuff imported in Tunisia and Lebanon. Uh, It's two-thirds of the stuff imported to Egypt and Libya. And 
because Russia has blockaded the ports that are used to transport this food, people are going to starve. Nearly 250 million are on the brink of famine. Uh, The number of people with what's called food insecurity has jumped to 1.6 billion. And this is not coming at a very fortuitous time because, like I said, the war is not the only reason this is a problem. Drought is hitting some areas. Flooding is hitting other areas. People in emerging economies are already spending, well, I think 25%. So think of it like for every $4 you have, $1 is going to food. Uh, for every $100 you have, 25 are going to food and nothing else. And these countries, like there might be people in the crowd today, some of us who are rightly thinking, well, hey, you don't just live on bread, right? Like you, you can eat other things. But a lot of us, when we're thinking that, are probably thinking about a supermarket in a developed country where, yes, everything has risen in price from milk to fruit by, fruit by the foot. I guess we'll just, you know what? We'll just go back and put a different product in there next year. But the, the idea is <laughs> every, everything every, is becoming. Listen, every download. <laughs> every so I just want to know how much, per, how much per foot has the fruit grown uh, in terms yeah, of price increases. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because of the metric system. So we've got some math we have to put in there. But yeah, but it's not the same in much of the rest of the world. I mean, yes, of course. There are supermarkets in Egypt. There are supermarkets in tons of countries, but in Egypt as a whole, 30% of all calories are provided by bread. And two thirds of that is coming from Ukraine and Russia. And now it's just not getting out. Does this mean that there is not going to be enough food for everybody? Possibly. But right now what it means is, This big player is going out, but there are other players in the international market. So as long as they still trade food and and resources internationally, what's going to happen is the price of stuff is just going to raise to a point where not everyone can afford it. It's already close to that now. But the scary thing people need to watch out for is what's happening uh, in places like India, another place with tremendous agricultural output. They're getting out of the game. They've banned exportation of certain things beyond the country's border. That's where the trouble begins. I heard a piece, I believe on NPR about this pertaining to the beer industry because of all the grain that they export. Did you read anything or come across that in your, uh, in your research? Yeah. Grain is used for so much stuff, man. It touches a lot of things. And I'm glad you brought up beer because the, um, the <laughs> if this is what we need to reach people, serve people the crowd, uh, this does make the beer more expensive, potentially. Uh, but it also it also means that countries may follow India's example and say, hey, this wheat is for our people or this, you know, insert resource here. When this happens, it can take years for things to normalize again. And maybe, you know, if we want to be optimistic, maybe that normalization will make things uh, a little bit better. but. It's doubtful that that will be the case because, you know, humans. So the other, the other issues that come in is that uh, projected agricultural output over the next decades or so is in danger. It's really tough to call it. 
It's like the weather in Atlanta in spring, because as the biomes we depend on for agriculture, as they start to falter and fail, people are going to have to look for new ways and new places to grow food. And you can say, yeah, on the flip side, what about um, accelerating temperatures, meaning that land that used to be frozen waste and tundra will become arable land? Yeah, but there's a interval. There's a dead period in between there. And in that dead period, experts fear, uh, that's where a lot of people are going to die. That's where wars may be waged, not just over food, but also over water, over uh, living space, not to recall to uh, pointedly the rhetoric of uh, Germany in World War II and, and their idea of Liebenstrom. But what, what we're going to see then is something really dangerous. And if you're attached to the prepper community, you know they've been talking about this for decades, right? Um, and in a way, it's a hazard of the modern global system of connection. I mean, I just threw a lot of, Threw a lot of gobbledygook out there, but I want to make space to ask you guys, uh, both our fellow conspiracy realists listening along at home, and you, Matt, and you, Noel, uh, do you think this is alarmist? Do you think this is like a real problem? Do you think, have you heard any of the conspiracy theories about that? That's what we'll end on. I, I, I would just say I do not think it's alarmist right now. I, I believe it's Sudan that's experiencing one of the worst famines ever right now. Uh, I'm thinking it's it's a culmination of a bunch of different things that are occurring. I'm thinking about the historic heat waves that are occurring in the United States and other countries right now as we speak. As we edge closer and closer to these major crises that are going to hit us from uh, from global climate change, this kind of thing, adding it into the mix, feels like a terrible idea, first of all, but also something that can really accelerate the badness <laughs> The, the dark times. Well, we can't know if it's alarmist either until we see the extent to which it actually has an effect. I mean, maybe that's maybe I'm describing the nature of like predicting or being uh, a little too wary about what could transpire. But no, I think given how little we know about how far this conflict is going to go, anything's fair game. Yeah, because what's the old quotation? Every civilization is about three meals away from revolt or seven days or something like that. That's about uh, right. Yeah. So what we see also here is maybe a trend toward isolationism. You know, you don't ever want to be the person in charge of a country telling your public or your constituents, hey, some people, maybe hundreds of thousands or millions are going to starve in our country this year because we sold all of our food but don't worry, a couple people got rich. I'd also be interested to uh, point out a recent finding by Oxfam that showed over just two years, food and energy billionaires are $453 billion more wealthy than they were before COVID. And, and I ask you, I ask everybody, uh, if you happen to live in a part of the world that learned some crappy stuff, about the human condition when people were hoarding toilet paper was accidental wordplay. What do you think they're going to do when they start thinking they should hoard food? That's where things get dirty. And it's, it's a scary, scary time. 
Uh, I don't want to say too, too much more about this because I believe it's a full episode, but I'm setting this up because we want to hear from you folks. We are very fortunate to have uh, our own sort of global communication network. We've received excellent correspondence from multiple countries, including Iran. Thank you again. Uh, uh, Almost not quite every country yet, but we want to know if this is truly a global problem, Uh, whether you are in the U.S. or abroad. What's the local scuttlebutt, you know, at your Dave and Buster's or at your supermarket or gathering place? What do you guys talk about at the dinner table? And what do you think will happen? What is the future of food? Let us know. Uh, Let us know about product placement. Let us know, especially again, if you are an investigative journalist hunting down a regional story, we would love to, we would love to put our finger on the pulse of that. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us all over the internet. We're there uh, in multiple locations on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube at the handle Conspiracy Stuff. uh, And on Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes. And if you like to use your mouth to call people and then move it and make sounds so that they understand the thoughts you're having, you can call 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, please give yourself a cool nickname, whatever you want it to be. Then you've got three minutes, say whatever you'd like. At some point in that message, please let us know if we can or cannot use your name and message on the air. If you've got more to say, maybe some links, a picture, whatever, you can instead send us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.